Good morning. I want to hear noise here. Good morning. Yes, great, 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 great to be here. Well, um, we are in the book of Luke this morning. So if you have a Bible like me, you can open the book of Luke. If you have your devices, whether tablets or cell phone, may you click the Bible app, Naughty Angry Birds. <laughs> Bible app, okay? So open the book of Luke. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 19 from verse 1 to 10. Okay, before we read, I just want to remind you that it's such a privilege for us to really going through this one series. Uh, if you are a guest here this morning, one series is about uh, this series that he, church is here in Swanee that he, we are doing together, and it's called One Heart. And the, the first week we, we had the first part of the series, and the, the title was One Heart for God. So we looked at what it means to have a heart for God and how this is central for all of us. That a heart, of God, a heart for God, it means uh, desiring what he wants, and it means giving him a place of authority in our lives. And then last week, which is the second part of our series, we heard as well about one heart for God's people. And the, the whole idea is that when we gather together and consider one another, the whole body functions together and becomes a great influence. And as well, we heard last week that uh, may God plant a deep love for the church or for the people of God. May God as well forgive you if you had a, a previous bad experience in church. And as well, may God use you mightily as a healthy and functional member of the body. So that's a, 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 that was the second part. And then the third part, which is today, we're going to look at the one heart for the lost. And we are in, in cha Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. So I'm going to read. He entered Jericho and, passed, and he was passing through. There was a man, Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because, he was, because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he, he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zachariah, hurry up! And come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's going to lodge with a sinful man? But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I'll give half of my possession to the poor. Lord, and, and if I exhorted someone... Anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Verse 9. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come here this morning and hear your word. Father, thank you so much for the praise and worship, the fellowship, and every single person is here, Lord. Father, I pray that this place be filled with your presence, but may, may the atmosphere, Lord Jesus, be of your presence. Father, thank you so much that your spirit is here. May you teach us something special this morning, Lord. Father, may I not speak my own words, but your word. May your people, Lord Jesus, hear from you speaking to their heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a question for you this morning. What is the main business of Starbucks? Anyone? Coffee. Yeah. 
What is the main business of Toyota? Cars. Yeah. What is the main business of, of Rolex? Watches. Ah, I have a good audience here. This is amazing. I'm enjoying this. What is the main business of FIFA? Soccer. Now watch this. Okay. What is the main business of the church? Yeah. Now we have a problem here. I had, can you see, when we started, everything was rhyming, eh? Watches, soccer, what? Because what happened is like these companies, they spend billions and billions to what? So that they can let you know what they do. But what is the main business of the church? Then I had different answers. Never mind the church, you and me as a Christian and a member of this church. What is our main business? What defines us? What makes us move? What is it? Probably sometime, if you're confused, let's turn back to uh, the boss, right? The CEO. Our CEO is Jesus Christ. Let's ask him, Jesus, what is the main business of the church? What is it? And Jesus will answer like this. My business is the business of the church. So Jesus, what is your business? Well, in verse 10 of our passage, if you look there, you'll see there the answer. Jesus answered this and says this. For the Son of Man has come to seek to save the lost. That's Jesus' business. And that should be the church business. I wanted to hear that, I wanted to hear that, what is the business of the church? Everyone could have said, seek the lost at once. But we did not do that. Because every single person has its own idea. So, friends, the main business of Jesus, his main purpose, is to seek and save the lost. Are you with me? We're going together, right? Eh? We're going together. Don't, don't miss me. Eh? Okay? Okay. But then the question is, the lost? Who are the lost? Who are the lost? Well, our pastor is going to answer that. Who are the lost? Verse 7 says there, they saw, so the people saw it, they saw the people, uh, we saw their people complaining in verse 7, and then they're complaining why? They are saying, Jesus, you are going to stay with a sinner. Now, why are they calling Lazarus a sinner? Zachariah a sinner, not Lazarus. Why are they calling Zachariah a sinner? So, they call Zachariah a sinner. Why? So, let's look at our passage and see if there's something that will tell us that he identifies him as a sinner. Do you think he was described as a short man? Do you think being short is a sin? No. He was identified as a rich man. Is being rich a sin? No. But he was identified as being a tax collector. Is being a tax collector a sin? Ah, we have a problem there. Does it mean that the people who work at SARS are sinners? Go. <laughs> Hey, Sars will come after me, eh? <laughs> Let me say, it's yes and no. Okay. Let me give you the story of tax collector in the Roman Empire. So what happened, so Israel was under the colony of Roman Empire. So they were, they were colonized by Rome. 
Now, for Rome to collect taxes, they needed someone local, okay, to collect taxes. So they sold franchise, okay, taxi franchise. So someone will buy a tax franchise. What you do, you collect taxes, and then there's certain amount they stipulate for you to pay, all right? But then they say this, over and above that, it's yours. That's a flight gate of corruption. So you're telling this guy, imagine you tell Sari, you collect one billion rand, the rest is yours. Imagine that. They will do everything they can to get that one billion pay, and then they will start exploiting you like no man's business. That's what happened. So this guy, they collect tax, the amount they needed to pay the Rome, but then the rest was theirs. Ha. Huh. So what they did is this, guys. The Roman Empire, like even today, it was this, almost similar. They will tax you for goods, you know, export and import. They will tax you for income, ta uh, income taxes. What taxes? There's more taxes about uh, other things, but they are. Okay, but then they'll do the, then they'll get the money, they'll pay Rome, but then probably they didn't get enough. They'll start taxing people for other things. So you know this guy what they'll do? They'll do this. They'll they can even say, imagine you are coming with a with your horse with a with a cart, and then what happens is this? They'll come to you and say, Your cart has four wheels. The cart's supposed to have two wheels. So you are taxed about that. So they can even come to you, you are, you are walking with your donkeys, they say your donkey is too fast. You must pay for taxes. <laughs> That's how bad it was. You know, it was so bad, eh? it was so bad that the Jews were allowed to lie to a tax collectors. So this guy, the, the Jews, the priest, they will teach in the synagogue like, it is okay for you to lie to the tax collector. It's not sin at all. Why? Because these guys, they hated tax collectors because they exploit them so bad. And these tax collectors, they enrich themselves through that. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me like, a, uh, even here in South Africa, in South Africa, mostly in, um, I experienced this in Mozambique, uh, probably Zimbabwe, there's this police officer, like traffic officer. Like seriously, this guy, I was, we had, I was driving out of the, the toll gate. And immediately I saw the police, all right? They're just after the toll gate. Let me tell you one thing, that he, if you want to see someone who's a good citizen and you're obedient citizen, is that moment when you see police. Everyone becomes a good driver. Like seriously, when you say police, you reduce your speed, you look in the mirrors, you know, when you want to change the line, you indicate, you know, it's like you are like such a good citizen because there's what? There's police there. Immediately when you pass police, you're speeding. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, that's it. Like imagine me, I'm just coming out of, tax, of, of the toll gate, I wasn't speeding at all. Because I was just coming out, I could see them. I was the best citizen ever. And then they stopped me, and they told me I was speeding. I was like, seriously? I was not speeding. He's like, you're speeding. I was like, no, no, no. I want to see the camera. So I went to the camera. It's like, actually, the, uh, no, but the camera is broke. <laughs> so how did you see I was speeding? No, you are speeding, sir. Are you, are you arguing with the police officer? I was like, can you see what they are doing? They're exploiting. They're exploiting me. That's the purpose. That's what happened to the Roman, these guys. They did that. They exploit people in the bad way that the Jews, they hated tax collectors. Now, so we ask the question, who are they lost? And we've seen here that he, one of the biggest problems of Zacchaeus was because he was a tax collector. But doesn't mean collecting tax is sin in itself. It's what you are doing by collecting taxes. But now, how do we see that Zechariah was sinful? So in Mark chapter 7, eh, in Mark chapter 7, it tells us this. Let me just read it for you. Chapter 7, verse 21, it tells us this. It tells, from the heart of man comes this, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, 
adultery, greed, evil action, deceit, promiscuity, stinginess, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. Now, I look at this scripture, and I'm like, where do I find Zachariah here? Where do I find Zachariah here? And I saw something. Can you see there? What are the things that identify with Zachariah here? Theft. Zachariah was a thief. Greed. Yes. Evil action. Deceit. Can you see? So now, then I know that's why the Jews, this guy, they call this guy a sinner because of that. Because of that. But that's not only that. It's not that because people are calling him a sinner. He himself confessed it. Didn't he? If you continue reading, you see that he, he had defrauded people. So that's why he was giving half back to the poor. Because he'd been stealing from people. So he, has, he had acted as a, as a thief in his profession. He enriched himself. So they stole from people. So therefore, Zachariah was a lost person. Well, the Bible described, describes, uh, describes the state of the lost person as a child of obedience, uh, disobedience, sorry. Dead in his trespasses, perishing, condemned, under the wrath of God, blind, under the power of darkness, under the control of Satan, disobedient to God. That's the lost person. So the Bible, what the Bible is describing to us is, that, is this terrible darkness. It is a tragedy to be lost. The word lost is the darkest word in a human language. It's the most distressing word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, the lost person is spiritually blind to the things of God. Spiritually blind to the things of God. The lost person is deaf, dead in your transpassing. The lost person has no future. The lost person has no hope. And the sad part is this. Some of the lost person or the lost people, they may not be found again. Do you know anyone who is lost? Are you sitting here this morning as a lost person? Do you identify yourself with those words, those sinful acts that you, in Mark chapter 7? Are you lost? Let me tell you one thing this morning. You are very important. If you, the word lost identifies with you, Jesus is telling you this morning, you are very important. How important are the lost? Have you seen the such and the rescue team, right? Such and rescue team, there was the flood in Mozambique recently. There's quite a lot of such and rescue that happens, you know. And the one thing those people they do is that they risk their life. They go through so much danger so that they can be able to save lives. So I was reading and I saw this. One of, one of the motto of these guys, the, the search and rescue team, is this. They say, this we do so that others may live. This we do so that others may live. This is the motto of our Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Huh? This is the motto of our Lord Jesus Christ. He left heaven. He left, he left his majesty. 
He left his throne. He came down, all the way down. He died on the cross for you so that you and me can live. In, in verse 10, it tells us that the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Jesus is in the business of rescuing people. That's his business. Why? Because hell is real. Hell is real. For those who are lost, hell is real. The pain, the torment, the suffering awaits you. But as well, Jesus is telling you, heaven is real. The eternity is real. Jesus came to rescue the lost so that they can escape hell and live forever. You are very important. When Jesus said that I came to seek the lost because you are so precious to him. You're so important to him. You're so important that Jesus came down from heaven to come after you. We, we, we just sang this song like he's going to come after us. There's nothing can stop him. Because you're so precious. You're so important for God. But it's not only that. It's not that only that. The other thing that shows that it's important is this. I was reading, look, if you, if you read Luke chapter 15, you'll see something so awesome. Jesus starts, uh, he mentioned three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son. What, is the, what, what are the things that are in common in this parable? The lost. The lost. So Jesus keeps emphasizing this idea of lost, like I've come for these people who are lost. I love them so much that I, I left my majesty, I left my throne, I left everything so that I can come to rescue you. You are so precious. You are everything for me. I'm going to die for you. And he did that. But then when you see these parables, there's another thing that comes, that, it's, it's so, that we see that it, actually the laws are so important. You know what is it? There's commonality in those three parables. When, 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 a ship, uh, when a shepherd lost his sheep, he left 99, he went out after the sheep. When he got the sheep, what, you know what happened? He celebrated. There was a party. When the woman lost the coin, she lit her candle all night looking for the coin. When she found the coin, there was a party. When the, the father lost the son, the prodigal son, the father waited day and night for the son, the son to come. When he came back, what was it? There was a the party. Can you see this? How amazing this is? This trend of celebration. When one lost soul is found, there's a trend of celebration. When one lost soul is rescued, there's a celebration. Have you seen such a rescue when they rescue someone? I remember that time when they rescued those miners in, I think it's in Chile somewhere. There was a jubilation. There's a celebration. Hmm? Why? Because the lost soul is found. Lost soul is rescued. So, it's the same today, friends, that one lost soul, one lost person, if he's rescued, is found, there's a celebration in heaven. But it should not only be celebration in heaven, it shouldn't be celebration here as well. Hmm? It should be celebration here as well. The loss are so important, so special, so precious for Jesus that he came from heaven for you. And there's a jubilation, celebration because the lost person is found. Ah, but how do we seek the lost? After showing you this morning that he actually the lost person is the person that is totally separated from God. You are alienated. You are deprived. 
the person is far away from God. But as well, I've shown you that the lost are very important. That's why Jesus came. That's why there's a jubilation, there's a celebration. But then we need to ask ourselves, so what do we do to reach these lost? Because we see in the word that how important they are. What do we do? What do we do? Three practical things. Three practical things in our, in our passage. Jesus did not left us, didn't leave us hanging. What he did to us, he did this. He's like, I'm going to show you how do you reach the lost. Verse 5. First, Jesus has an ability to stop. It's incredible. Stopping. The first call of evangelism, or the first call of us to reaching out to the lost, is to stop. So verse 5, we say, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zachary, come down. I'm going to dine with you. So Jesus was walking on the street, right? With a lot of people. And then Zachary was in the tree somewhere. But the, imagine if Jesus did not stop and call Zachary, we could not have heard the story of Zachary today. It took Jesus to stop. So the ability to stop is very important in, in reaching out the lost. You can only be able to engage people if you stop. But our generation today, we are people on the move, aren't we? We are people on the move. We are always in a hurry. We are always late for something. I'm late, I'm late. I'm, I'm in a hurry, I'm in a hurry. That's our generation. From dropping the kids to work, work, gym, gym, grocery, grocery, oh, seeing client, looking for job, oh, going for a job. Oh, we are like a busy, 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 busy people. We don't stop. The only place we stop is because we stop by force. Do you know where we stop? At the robot. That's where we stop. Because we are forced to stop. Sometimes. How bad we are. Eh? Sometimes. So to stop is an ability. It's a gift. Jesus is calling us to stop long enough. Stop long enough. Are you hearing me? Stop long enough so that you can see other people's pain. So you can see other people's cries. So you can see other people's need. But if you're on the move, you're not going to be able to stop to see anything. There are many people that we don't know their stories. Do you know why? Because we did not stop. I beat myself as well. Just last Sunday. Just last Sunday, because of this thing on the move, I was driving out here where I was with my daughter and Danny. So our, our plan is like, let's go make a meal for, it was Mother's Day, remember? Mother's Day, let's go make a meal. So my mind is like, meal, 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 I'm driving, meal, meal. And then I saw a, a, an accident and the... It, was, it wasn't bad. It was a motorbike accident. A motorbike and a, yeah, and a car. But the guy was sitting somewhere, and then the people, they were trying to help him and so on. But in Cleveland, when I was passing, I saw someone that I know. But that moment, I just thought of cooking a meal for my wife. I did not stop. So when I, start, when I was preparing this sermon, God started ministering to me. It's like, how can you tell people to stop when you don't stop yourself? I keep beating myself like, who knows if I stopped? What could have happened? I don't know. Probably could just be an encouragement for them. I don't know. Do you see how much thing we are missing because of not stopping? 
Have you stopped just for a minute and greet the car guard? How are you? How are you doing? We're people on the move. Jesus is telling us this morning for us to fulfill our purpose here on earth, for us to align with the business of the church, we need to stop. Amen. Stopping. The second thing Jesus is telling us, like, for us to reach the lost, it's not just stopping. It's the ability of friendship. Jesus comes to, to, to Zachariah. Can you see there? It says, hurry! Come down, because today I must stay at your house. So quickly, Zachariah came down, and he, he welcomed him joyfully. Well, in the Jewish culture, when, it, when someone comes to your home, you're actually saying, I want to be in a deeper f- relationship with you or fellowship with you. Imagine today, after the service, I come to you and like, I'm coming for lunch at your house. What will you say? If you don't, tell me stories. <laughs> Seriously, you will tell me stories. There's one thing about black people. They don't make appointments. <laughs> they just pitch up, you know. They just pitch up, you know. That's what Jesus did here. It's like a black person. <laughs> he just told Zachary, like, hey, <laughs> Let's go, I'm coming to stay at your house. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but as well, it's so sad that today we are so prone with appointments that we don't, we miss these moments. I have to make an appointment to go to see someone. We miss this spontaneous moment. So what was the guy's response when he was, Jesus was inviting himself to his house? What was it? What did he say? Oh, 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 Pastor Jesus, I know, I, I, I have a plan. Eh? I'm going to job back today. <laughs> you know? No! Immediately, quickly, he welcomed him and hear this joyfully. Wow! Welcomed him joyfully. Probably was lonely, don't you think? I believe so. He was lonely because because remember, everyone appointed to him is a sinner, sinful person. No, 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 sin. And the Israelites were serious about that. If you are a sinner, they don't associate with you at all. So he was a sinner. So he might be lonely. But sadly, that's how we roll today, don't we? There are people that we don't associate with. We point fingers. We are very discriminative people. Is this the right word? We discriminate. We look at them as sinners. Hey, you a sinful person. No, no, no. We look at them as foreigners. Ah, he's a foreigner. Ah, ah. Danger, danger. We look at them as poor. Or we look at them as too rich to associate with them. We look at them as not belonging. Imagine today you're having a bride, right? Who's going to be in your list of people I'm going to invite? I believe not me. Who's going to be in your list? It's going to be your friends, right? Your family. Your friend and family. But Jesus... Was Jesus Zakai's friend? No. Was Zakai Jesus' friend? No. But I guess they were dining together. 
Can you see what I'm telling you? Jesus is telling us to go beyond our comfort zone. What is Jesus telling us? Do you think it was easy for Jesus to visit Zacchaeus? It wasn't easy. Remember, this crowd were coming after him and they say, He's a sinful person. You can't go to a sinful person. You go to the priest. You don't go to a sinful person. Imagine Jesus coming to South Africa today. Where will you go? I think he's going to go to the Zondo Commission. Say, give me the list. <laughs> give me the list. I need this guy who said capture. Give him the list. And I'm going to go visit them. And then us, we go, what? Jesus, seriously, you're going to visit these people? They're sinful people. They're horrible. They stole South Africa's money. They did. Can you see that? That's how we are. We're judging. But Jesus, look at Zacchaeus. He saw beyond his sinfulness. He saw his heart. He saw his heart. There is power to be in people's lives. Jesus did not preach to Zacchaeus. Jesus did not open the Bible to him. Do you know what he did? Jesus just showed up. All right? He stopped and he said, I want to be your friend. And Zacchaeus got converted. Let's seek the lost. And let's make them our friends. Can you do that? Let's get in their houses. The rich, the poor, the outcasts, the foreigners. Let's get in their houses. Let's befriend them so that Jesus Christ can touch them. The love of God does not have limit. It does not have limits. It does not look if this person is rich. This person lives in this area. This person lives there. This one lives in Waterkloof. This one lives in Mamelodi. No, no, no. No. It does not look at that. The love of God is the same for everyone. The last point this morning is the ability of Jesus. Jesus himself has an ability because we see here that his presence changes Zacchaeus' life. So Jesus has an ability to transform lives. One of the things that Jesus, we saw the transformation there because of Jesus' presence is the true repentance. Hmm? You've seen true repentance. It's incredible. Zacchaeus did not come and confess his sin, but we just see the fruit of the repentance. Because that's what happened. Changed heart has an action. What he did, he gave half of his possession to the poor. And he said, if I defrauded someone, I'm going to pay the person four times more. Imagine the man who was a professional thief has now become an instant philanthropist. And that's the moment because of Jesus' presence. This man who spent his whole life taking and taking and taking, he wants to give half of his possession. Ah, there is a change. There's something that's happened here. Zachary counted one and only and one and only man who is our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is through Jesus that we see true repentance. It's through Jesus we see true transformation. You too this morning, when you encounter Jesus, it's going to change your life. You're going to be different. Your life is not going to be the same. Jesus offers us true repentance, but further, he offers us assurance. You see in verse 9, he said, to, he said you're a son of Abraham. So this guy was pointing, everyone was pointing, he's a sinner, he's a sinner, he's a sinner. But then he comes and says, he's a son of Abraham. That means he belongs. He's part of the covenant. Even though people are pointing him as a sinner, but he's a part of the covenant. He belongs. So what Jesus is telling us here is like, no matter where you are in life, no matter where you stand in, in this moment, you do qualify to enter into the kingdom of God. 
Doesn't matter where you stay. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter what, what color skin you are. You qualify to enter in the kingdom of God. So, doesn't matter how high, how low is your sins. Salvation is for you. There's one evangelist say this word. He said, Jesus does not catch clean fish. Jesus catch the fish and he cleans them. <laughs> this is why the Bible says here, today is the day of salvation. We may not have tomorrow. It is today. Lastly, Jesus, just his presence, he has an ability to offer salvation. Verse 10, today salvation has come to this house and then he carries on, Jesus told him, and then for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. If you are lost today, Jesus is calling you by name. Come. Jesus is knocking the door of your heart to come to him. Jesus is knocking the door of your house so that he can come in. Jesus, Jesus is saying, can I come in? Don't delay. Come to Jesus. Turn from your sins and receive him as a Lord and Savior. The book of Romans says these words, that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And Hebrew points out this way. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. True story. I'm going to finish with this. Let me tell you a true story. There was a lady called Debbie. She was married to a pastor and then moved to pastor church. And six months down the line, what happened is Debbie was diagnosed by cancer, with cancer. And then she wanted to start the treatment, but then she found out she was two months pregnant. So the doctor told her, if you do the treatment, the child will die. But if you don't do the treatment, it's going to be too late for the treatment. Debbie struggled with that. But then she ended up making a decision to say, I'm not going to do the treatment. She lived nine months. She gave birth this beautiful baby girl. But afterward, not long after that, she died. What Debbie did, she sacrificed her life. She died so that a child can live. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? Jesus Christ died so that you and me can live. There's no person alive who does not need the saving, sacrifice, sacrificial, forgiving love of Jesus Christ. And this is for you and me. Let me say this. Today, we are learning this one heart for the lost. The question is, where is your heart? Do you have a heart for the lost? Do you have a heart for the lost? You've seen how the lost are. Their people are totally, totally deprived, far away from God, desperate. They're drowning in their sins. They're suffering. And hell awaits them. And you're sitting with the gospel. Jesus came again and explained to us how important the lost are. 
that he came from heaven to come die for us. And even heaven rejoiced because of one soul being saved. And Jesus taught us that we need to stop so that we can reach people. We need to befriend them. We need to bring Jesus in their lives so that we have true repentance, true assurance, and salvation. Let me say this to us as a church. What is the main business of the church? To seek the lost. Are we seeking the lost in our church? Are we seeking the lost in our church? Probably let's, let's, let's leave the church as a corporate. You as an individual. You are part of the body. Last week we heard that you, every single member should work hard. But are you seeking the lost? As an individual, are you seeking the lost? Have you lost our plot? Imagine, imagine, imagine if we, imagine if Toyota starts selling bananas. I'm not going to buy those bananas because that's a business for ShopRite. It looks like we, uh, we, we do quite a lot of other things, but we are forgetting the main business of the church. We should pray for the lost. We should give ourselves into going to reach them. We should give our finances so that the people can go and reach the lost. We should work so hard because that's our purpose. That's our mandate. That's, our, that's what we breathe and we live for. That's what Jesus said. I've come. This is all my purpose. I did not come to build a church. I did not come to... to, 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 to sorry. Yeah, I've not come to just build a church. I've not come here to like, establish, I don't know. But I've come to seek what was lost. And this mandate, it's yours. This mandate, it's yours. I'm going to call the praise and worship team here. So I just want us to worship together, right? Just think about the lost. But not only that, if you are this morning, feel like, you are in the fence. You are like a bit, you're not connecting with God. You're separated. You feel like there's no connection. This is a moment for us to be able to connect with him. This is a moment for us to be able to connect with him. If you feel that you do not know God as a savior, he has come just for you. And this morning I want you to do that. Leslie hear this word from this one um, great preacher called Charles Spurgeon. He's one of my favorite preachers. He lived in the 1800s. You know, I read people of 1800s. You know? He said this word. Listen here. This is amazing. He said this word. The world is dying. The graves are filling. Hell is bursting. And yet you have the gospel. Can it be that you do not care to win lost soul? Can it be that you do not care whether men are condemned to death or saved? May the Lord wakes us up from this stony and hearted barbarity to our fellow man and makes us yearn over and over and over and over again for the lost souls. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your power. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being here with us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for ministering to us, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, today we heard your call that you have a church or business to reach out to seek us, to seek the lost. And Lord Jesus, may you awaken in us, Lord Jesus, the power, the spirit and the zeal for us to reach out to the lost, Lord Jesus. May our programs in our church, activities in our church, should always have that in mind. And our own lives as well should be dedicated to reach to you, Lord. 
At this moment, Lord Jesus, we pray for the church, Lord. Lord, may you give us the zeal to reach the lost. Lord, we've been weak. We've been sitting in our comfort zones. We've been passing by, not stopping. Lord, may you forgive us for not doing what you call us to do. You are guilty ourselves. Please forgive us. That for now on, Lord Jesus, we're going to be like Zacchaeus. That we're going to truly repent and practice what we repented for. May you help us, Lord Jesus, to be people who are zealous for the gospel. Zealous to see people get converted. Father, help us. We are weak. But with you, Lord Jesus, we have all strengths we need. It is through you, Lord Jesus, that we'll be able to do this. And today, Lord Jesus, we know our mandate. We know our business. And we stand firm this morning and say, Lord, we're going to commit ourselves into your business, which is sick and save the lost. I want to be one of them. I don't want to sit around and doing nothing. I want to commit myself to your mandate. I want to commit myself to your purpose. May the church of our Lord Jesus Christ be committed to this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you give glory to God? Glad hand in the name of Jesus. Glory. Yes. Yes. Ah, are you pumped up this morning? Are you going to reach the souls? Are we going to reach them? That's our Monday. Do not forget that. If someone asks you, what is the purpose of the church? Say, to reach the souls. To reach the sick and save the soul. That's your purpose. Say a benediction this morning. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week. Thank you. Bless you.